<laughs> all day today, he was like, you've been feeling yourself. Because now, you, you know, you got a suit that fits. <laughs> you've been really feeling yourself. Get off me, get off me, get off me. John chapter 19, verses 12. Verses 12. I'm having a good time. I, I'm, I'm just so happy to be here today. John chapter 19, verses 12 through 16. And if you're there, say amen. amen. It says it here in verse 12. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out saying, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Hmm. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and he sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement. Somebody say the pavement. Pavement, the pavement. Uh, but in Hebrew, it's called Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour and he said to the Jews, behold your king. Look at that. Behold your king. But they cried out, away with him, away with him. Crucify him. Peter, Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? Chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. I want to focus on verse 13. So when Pilate therefore heard that saying, verse 12 says he, he, he thought to release him. Meaning the law couldn't judge him. And then he says, when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We glorify your name. We praise you. Father, we ask that you would have your way in this place, Lord God. Lord, the next 20 to 30 minutes that we have, Father, we ask, Lord, that you will bless us, Father. Grace us with your presence, Lord. Increase our understanding in you, Father. Deliver those who are in need of deliverance. Instruct those that are in need of instruction. Rebuke those who are in need of rebuke. Father, Lord, we seek transformation in your name, Father. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Um, it's already 2.09, and I know we had started a little bit late. Um, so I'm not going to take too much time with you. Um, but I want to at least uh, leave you with this theme and this message, which is called the trial. Somebody say the trial. The trial. Uh, we talked now, this is our third uh, sermon in the series. The first one uh, being the garden. Somebody say the garden. the garden. And so we learned about the garden. And then after the garden, we uh, then learned about the betrayal. And, and after the betrayal now, we get into another phase of the passion of Christ. Uh, which is the trial. Before I begin with the sermon, I wanted to share this story with you because it had a prof profound impact on me. Recently, I read the news and I fell upon this story. I wanted to share it with you because of the effect that it had on me. The story is about a 24-year-old girl. Her name is uh, Diana Hansen. Uh, Diana had made a decision to follow her dream. In following her dream, she was given an opportunity to intern at a place called the Cat Haven Sanctuary. While she received little to no pay, she followed her calling and chased her destiny. 
Uh, she was taking care of cats. And her favorite cat was a cat by the name of Couscous. Aww. And she would take care of Couscous. She would feed Couscous. She probably even played with Couscous. The only thing is, is that Couscous is a 350-pound African lion. And over a week ago, we learned that Diana, uh, while she was cleaning the cage, was attacked by Couscous and was killed on the scene. It's a very saddening story. Her family was saddened by it, but they had one morsel of consolation, and that morsel of consolation was is that she didn't suffer. It's a little bit of a consolation to know that she died, but she didn't suffer. And I said, if you want any sort of consolation, you know that she died, she didn't suffer, but she died doing the very thing that she loved. Truthfully, it's difficult for us to really understand why things like this happen and why things like this occur. But when I read this story, I can't help but think about Jesus. As I was reading this story and I was digesting this story, came to understand that the truth of the matter is, is that Couscous may have even liked Diana. Couscous may have loved Diana. I don't know if a tiger has that depth of emotion to love. But we can say that Couscous probably thought Diana was a cool lady. But you see, how you feel about the person is not good enough. But rather, it's the nature of who you are. Am I preaching to anybody? Couscous may have loved her trainer. But Couscous was a lion. And if anybody knows the nature of a lion, the lion's nature is to kill. The lion's nature is to eat. The lion's nature is to destroy. And that's why the Bible uses the term and describes Satan as a lion seeking those he would devour. So it is in the lion's nature to eat, in the lion's nature to destroy. So regardless of how much Couscous loves Diana, Couscous' is nature can supersede the way Couscous feels. The reason why I preach this is because, you see, it's not about how we feel about Jesus, uh, but it is about our nature. Uh, if it is our sin that killed Jesus, Jesus came and did the thing that he loved, which was that he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son and that Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible then says that God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The Bible speaks of God's love. The Bible speaks of his mercy. It was God's love to come for us. But our nature is really the reason why he was killed in the first place. I can't come to church on Sunday and just love Jesus, but I have to ask a question about the very nature of who I am. Am I preaching to somebody right now? Uh, I have to ask God to correct some things in me uh, because if my nature is not conducive to his spirit, then the very thing that I'm doing is the thing that kills God. I, 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 I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying here is that Couscous may have loved his trainer, but he ended up killing the very thing that loved him. And how often is it that we kill things that are beneficial to us?
because of our very nature. How often it is, is it that a lot of the mess that we're in is mess that we created ourselves? Because our nature is a nature that uh, leads to suffering and pain. And Jesus said, instead of you suffering for yourself, let me go ahead and take the suffering for you. The Bible says that he bore our sins and he carried our griefs and carried our sorrows. The Bible also says in Isaiah 53 that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. So therefore what I have to understand is is that even though my nature uh, causes suffering Christ made a decision and said I love you this much that I will take on your pain I will take on your suffering I will take on your hurt because I love you that much and if I take your suffering you don't have to feel pain anymore because I took the pain for you. You don't have to feel hurting. I wish I was talking to somebody. You see, a lot of us, the reason why we're hurting is because we haven't given up our griefs to Jesus. The reason why we're hurting is because we haven't given our sorrows to him. But he said, I took your sorrow and I went up on that cross and I let them spit on me, put a crown of thorns on my head, beat my back, scourge me because I loved you that much. Why are you still feeling pain? I have to preach this because you see we got a church that is in pain for no reason oh my god but if I'm hurting I gotta rejoice but the Bible says in 1 Peter 4, uh, 4 verse 13, he says, but rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's suffering. Meaning, if I'm feeling pain, I have to transfer it to Jesus. When I transfer it to Jesus, that's when I rejoice. I wish, I wish somebody understood what praise is. Praise is just a transfer. Praise is saying, I'm going to take whatever's hurting me and I'm going to give it to God. And then I'm going to shout out and say, God, thank you for taking my trouble. Thank you for taking my pain. Thank you for taking my hurt. Thank you. I, I, I have to preach this because we got a church now that wants to take care of things on their own. They want to take care of their own problems, their own sorrow. But I can tell you, you can pay your psychiatrist $200 an hour, $300 an hour. All she'll be is a good listener to you. She can't heal you. She can't transform you. He can't help you. There is no other psychologist that can do what God does. For he took your sorrows, took your transgressions, took your pain, took your iniquities. How dare you waste the suffering of Jesus that's why that's why I partake in his suffering uh, that's why I partake in the pain <laughs> because I know that it ain't mine anymore I wish we, I wish all y'all with me right now. I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time today, but I want to make sure you understand this. If you're feeling pain today, it's about time you gave it to God. If you're feeling anything today, it's about time you gave it up. Give it up! Uh, We've been talking about the sufferings of Jesus, and as I indicated in the first uh, sermon that I preached earlier, I said, I said, you got to understand that Jesus took on humanity to be an example. And whatever Jesus went through was just a premonition, a predilection of what was going to happen. For we understand that Jesus had suffered pain the same way that we are going to suffer pain. Uh, Jesus suffered psychological pain and physical pain. 
We know that he was abandoned. The Bible says that he was, he was grieving. He was stricken by grief and sorrow. Which means he took on psychological pain. He took on physical pain. He took on the infirmities. So therefore, if God goes through something, I got to learn about how Jesus went through it. So that way I know and take an example from what he did. A lot of times, you know what we do? We read the Bible, but we don't apply it. Uh, we read the Bible and then the Bible tells us what we're supposed to do. We're sitting around, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? I don't know what to do. Open up your book, read your Bible. It tells you exactly how it's done. And if you don't know how you're supposed to live, I, I'd invite you just to look at Matthew. I'd invite you to look at Mark. I'd invite you to look at Luke. I invite you to look at John and just see how Jesus lived his life. Do what Jesus did and I promise you there is joy that will be coming into your life. He says, I came that you may have life. I came to be an example. I came so you know that your mess can be fixed. You don't have to stay in your pain. You don't have to stay in your suffering. There is a way out. And so Jesus goes to the garden and then he goes to, he, he's then betrayed. And, and now after he's betrayed, we find ourselves in an interesting place where Jesus is now on trial. I don't know if anybody's been to court. Anybody knows what court is like. I wish you could just testify and say it is a freaky place to be. Because in the midst of when you are in trial, you realize your limitability, your limitability, and you realize how small you really are. Anybody to go to court and have an attitude? Well, we saw what happened to that one girl who flicked the finger at the judge. I don't know if y'all are watching the news. He said, oh yeah, okay, 30 days for you. Because you are at the behest of the judge who stands before you. And now, I remember the first time I went to court, it was, y'all know about my driving record, right? Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I have a problem with paying bills, tickets, okay? So like, I drive around, people go, everything good? I said, I pro my license is probably suspended. <laughs> okay, but please, just... So now, whenever I get pulled over, I go, Jesus, Jesus, dear. which one is it this time? I hope. Now when he goes, you know your license is suspended, I'd be like, what? For real? I kind of just drive around thinking my life. But anyway, I remember the first time I was, I was, I was a freshman in, in, in college, and, and I had to go to court because I hadn't paid for a ticket. And, and, and before I went to court, the reason why I went to court was because Anybody forget to go to court? Yeah. Okay. You know what happens when you forget, right? There's this thing called a bench warrant. And if you miss court, you now have a bench warrant. Now, they're probably not going to come to your house. I didn't know that at the time. So when I saw the warrant, it said, turn yourself in or pay 600 and pay $600 bail to get out. I was already, I was like, I ain't ready for this, man. No, I ain't ready for, no. I ain't done nothing wrong. I just forgot to pay a bill. I'm irresponsible. Then you start thinking, man, I'm so irresponsible. A stupid court date I can't remember. Come on, Isaac. <laughs> That's how, I okay, good. And, and I remember this because I remember setting the court date and I'm just like in my house like, I see if, if there's a chase or police drive by, I'm like, oh, here they come, here they come. <laughs> Terrified. But I remember when I got to court, I already had the bench warrant, so they technically could have arrested me while I was there. 
See, y'all don't realize you miss court. There's a bench warrant. You show up. They can just take you away. It, it's that's what they can do. They're just not gonna waste taxpayer money on that. They're just gonna take care of you right there. I learned that later, but I didn't know that at the time. So I walk in, you know, sheriff's deputy's like, you can sit right here, sir. Man, I was straight. I walked in, I sat down. After I sat down, I was like, okay. And the first guy came in. I don't know if anybody heard this story. And the first guy came in with his jumpsuit, chains tied up, and this lady, she looked like a white version of Medea. She was, she looked real like manly like and scary. And she looks at the guy and she says, what are you here for? And the guy says, well, um, um, the, the, he had a lawyer there with him. He said, well, he was here, you know, he was driving 180 miles an hour and this and this and that. And apparently, you know, the whole thing, I was like, oh, he, he lied. The guy was like, you know, I, my wife was pregnant. I had to go run and get her. And he said, well, you could have killed somebody while you were trying to get to your wife. And you didn't understand that. So you know what? You're sentenced to 30 days in prison. Boom. I said, I said, where am I at? And I'm looking at the door like, if I leave now, And I'm looking at, I see the deputy, I'm like, he ain't even that big. I could just take off and run. So I said, you know, I'm going to just wait. I'm going to just wait. The next guy comes in. The, the kid was maybe 19, 20. He walks in, just like two years. Boom. I said, and you see everybody in the room, you know, you get that. Ooh. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness. I've already like, you know, you can't take your phone out, but I'm like texting like, yo, just tell my dad, my mom, just tell them I love them. But I remember how nerve wracking that experience was. And I remember when the judge called me up. And you know, I'm gonna try to act tough. And y'all know I got a deep voice. My voice got real deep then. Said, what are you here for? Uh, I, I just, a court. And, uh, you know, court and missed it. And um, I, uh, I, I sounded so stupid. And just goes, just stop talking. I see it right here. I said, I said, yes, ma'am. Your honor, your honor, ma'am. I wasn't going to play. Now, if she had called me outside of the courtroom and she talked to me like that, I'm like, who are you talking? But the fact that I'm inside the courtroom, I have to expect, respect the authority in that room. She could have said, you're stupid, ugly. I'd be like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, your honorable ma'am, judge, honor. And she looked at me, she's like, she's like, you know your irresponsibility is why you're here and you should go to jail today. I said, yes, ma'am. And I'm about to cry. I don't know what jail is like, you know? She's like, you know what? Um, we'll go ahead and have you pay court fees. We'll clear you for this one. And I looked at her, I said, I looked at the, the lawyer, because you know, I brought a lawyer that day, I was scared. I said, what does that mean? Does that mean I can go? He's like, you just gotta pay, you know, $200 in court fees. I was like, I'll pay a thousand, whatever, man. Just. But I remember clearly and vividly what it was like to be in a trial. 
A trial is a scary thing. It's a very uh, uh, intimidating place to be. Because in a trial, there are questions that are being arisen about who you are as a person. Questions about your identity. And now Jesus comes and he's facing trials. Now what I find interesting is that after Jesus prays, he's being betrayed by his brothers. They all ran away. Judas then betrays him. After Judas betrays him, they take him away. And here he goes and he enters his first trial. If I was Jesus, I kind of know what's already going to happen, so I'm really shaking right now. And now he stands before the first trial. He goes through a series of seven trials. Somebody say seven. seven. I'm about to finish now. He goes through a series of seven. The first one he goes, he goes before Anas. Anas is the father of Caiaphas. And after he goes before Anas, then he goes before Caiaphas, who is the high priest. And after he goes before Caiaphas, then he goes before the Sanhedrin. And after he goes before the Sanhedrin, they take him over to Pilate. And after they take him over to Pilate, they take him to Herod. After they take him to Herod, then they take him back to Pilate. And after they take him back to Pilate, then they take him to the people. Here is Jesus now who, 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 who's been picked up around one in the morning. But by noon the next day, he went to court seven times. Y'all know what court is like one time. Imagine what court is like seven times, all happening back to back to back. Now, what I find interesting about this is that Jesus is facing a different kind of trial now. He's facing a trial of his identity. He stands before Annas right now and he looks at him and Annas asks him questions. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says Annas asks him all kinds of questions, but Jesus doesn't open his mouth. Because he understands that whoever he is standing before him has no authority over him. Meaning he understands his divinity and his power. He has clear understanding that what I say actually supersedes what you say. And if you ask me any questions, I got nothing for me to say to you. So I'd rather plead the fifth and remain silent. Because if I talk, you may know a little too much about me. And you may be scared of me more than you were scared of before. So Annas now stands before, uh, Jesus stands before Annas. And Annas asks him all kinds of questions. Jesus doesn't speak until Annas asks him who he is. Oh, y'all, y'all are with me. Annas says, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says, you said it. Meaning now Jesus has to speak because he's asking not a question of what he did, but a question of his identity. And he came for, so you can know who he is and that you would know that he is God. So Jesus said, I'm going to take this opportunity to go ahead and evangelize and let people know I ain't scared of no jurisdiction or anybody who questions the very essence and identity of who I am. So now Honest looks at him and says, you know what? I'm going to take you to Caiaphas. The reason why he took him to Caiaphas, y'all with me, is because Honest has no power. Y'all ain't with me. Honest cannot condemn him. You see, here's the problem that a lot of us got. We spend too much time answering the people who cannot condemn us. We spend too much time uh, uh, trying to explain ourselves to people who don't even matter in the first place. What you doing talking to her? She got nothing to do with your life. She ain't going to make it better. He's not going to make it worse. Why are you sitting around answering to somebody who got no power over your life? 
Now he goes back to Caiaphas. And I love this one because Caiaphas is the high priest, which represents the, the, the hierarchy of the church. Uh, it represents position. Huh. A lot of us, we want to answer to position. We won't think somebody has anointing unless they got title. But there are plenty of people who got title who ain't got anointing. They're only in it for the money. They're only in it for, for, for the fame. They're only in it for the recognition. And now he stands before a guy who got title but has no anointing. He don't know who God is. Doesn't have any time. All he cares about is the bottom line, which is the dollar. He says, I got a problem with Jesus because when Jesus showed up, people started giving offering to God rather than me. Because you see, money is not the offering to God. It is a contribution to the church. But rather your praise and your lifestyle is an offering to God. You will never hear me in this church say, you better give to God or you will die and burn. Because I understand that the givers are the ones that are blessed by God, but not obligated by God. So you can choose to do what you want. But I will tell you, you better praise God. You better worship God. Your life better resemble God. You better have a lifestyle that is holy and acceptable as a living sacrifice to God. Now, 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 now he stands before Caiaphas, who is now the representation of religious position. Somebody say religious position. He looks at Caiaphas and Caiaphas asks him questions. And the Bible says he does not open his mouth. Y'all ain't with me. Because he understands now that I'm above you. I don't need to answer to you. I don't got to answer to Bishop, who is not anointed, but I should answer to God, who I am to have relationship with. So now he says, you can ask all the questions when you ask the pertinent question or when you ask the appropriate question that is when I will answer you then Caiaphas says well I heard you said that you're the king of the Jews for real? he says well they said it y'all didn't catch what I'm saying right now Jesus then answers to Caiaphas he says are you the king of the Jews and I'm paraphrasing this but he says they say that I am and the Bible says, Caiaphas then tears his clothes and rents it and says, get this guy out of my face. And they punched him, they slapped him. He said, why did y'all slap me? Why did y'all punch me? Did you have a problem with what I said? Can I tell you, when you finally assert who you are, don't think you're not going to meet opposition. Y'all didn't catch it. If you are anointed and you're blessed, don't think people are going to like it. You're going to run into some people who are going to want to oppose what you're saying, how you act, and what you do. But when you know you're covered by the grace of God, you know that you are anointed by God. No no, no words, no, no attack is going to stop you. But the Bible says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper and that I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I am anointed. I am gifted. I am blessed. You can't stop me. So now he goes back and now he, he stands before Caiaphas and Caiaphas gets rid of him. You want to know why? Because Caiaphas can't do nothing. Again, I don't answer to somebody who got no power over me. I got to preach this. Too many of us are so concerned with what people think about us so concerned with what people are saying they want to bring up your past good stay back there but I'm somewhere else now and you can't change where I am you can't change my anointing you can't change what God's doing with me he's working on me so I'm an answer to God not to you and if you don't like it stay over there stay out of my way can't hear you in one ear out the ear and so 
He stands now before the Sanhedrin, which is the body now, the religious body. He stands before the Jewish elite, the lawyers, and now they all try him. And the Bible says that, the Bible says that they brought, they couldn't find false witness against him. But the Bible says that they found false witnesses. Oh my God. I'm going to preach this to somebody. If you want to go back and read it. They found false witnesses, but they did not find false witness. Meaning they know they found people who can lie on him, but they could not confirm the lies that they lied. Meaning when people speak on you, whether it is if it isn't true why concern yourself with it for the bible says that the truth will find you out so when somebody lies on you here's what you got to do now pray for them because when the truth come out they're gonna look real stupid they're gonna look real ugly they're gonna say you ain't about that you you thought you were all holy all great but mm, i never saw that in him so don't concern yourself with lies. don't try to answer back to anybody with the lie just keep your mouth shut shut up shut up shut up he says be still and know that i am god keep your mouth Too many of us, we get into the courtroom of our friends and our critics. And we get into the courtroom not realizing they have no jurisdiction over us. But we treat them like judges who can tell us what to do. And y'all say, well, he ain't talking about me because I don't do it. Yes, you do. Because soon they say, I can't believe she said that about me. I can't believe he said that oh man and then i come to church and i can't worship anymore because i'm sitting there going mm, there she go uh-uh i'm not letting words take away my praise i'm not letting your judgment take away my worship i'm not gonna let what you say take away my anointing i am way too blessed to be wasting my time hearing your mess i got to understand that my anointing goes way beyond the words that you're saying yes you can bear false witness but no one will confirm it Now, 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 he goes before them and they can't judge him. Why? Because there's no lie. This man didn't sin. And they can't even condemn him with their law. So they're like, okay, Jewish law ain't good enough. We got to go to Roman law. And now they get to hair, they get to Pilate. And they stand before Pilate. And now they change the accusation. Because the first accusation was blasphemy. How dare he call himself the king? That he's gone, that he's the son of God. Who does he think he is? That is blasphemy. But they realize that they cannot use blasphemy in the Roman court. Y'all didn't catch it can't use blasphemy in the Roman court so they get to the Roman court they get to Pilate now and they say treason how can he call himself a king when we know Caesar is our king y'all didn't catch what just happened what your accuser does is 
He's not interested in what's better for you. He's not interested in making things better. He just wants to kill you. The enemy is your accuser. He wants to condemn you. And what he does is, is that he cannot condemn you because his ability to condemn is limited by the law. So that means that if he is under Jewish law, he can only condemn you by Jewish law. But now since he's in the Roman court, he is subjected to Roman law. So now he has to try to condemn you on Roman rules. And now he convicts him of truth. He says, the, this guy said he's the king of Jews. And now Pilate speaks. Pilate says, you said you're the king of the Jews? Is that what you said? Who are you? Who do you think you are? And the Bible says that Jesus doesn't speak. And the Bible says that Pilate is amazed. Are you ever shocked when somebody don't speak? How does the silence of a person amaze you? Unless there is something else that exudes out of him that is greater than the words that he speaks. Meaning, you've got to stop tongue-talking in church. Da, 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 da. A lot of people blabbing, blab, 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 blab. Why don't you start acting it? What a title of this message, it would be called Shut Up. I'm stepping on some toes, I'm sorry. Because I know y'all grow up in Haitian church, the word shut up was a curse word. What did you say? You can say F this, F that, S this, this F and S. But soon they shut up. Why don't you say that? So somebody gonna hear the app later and gonna be like, damn, this man was cussing all over. He said, shut He was cussing. Say the F word 10 times. Say, shut up once. What? Bible says now he goes to Herod. And Herod takes him back. Why do you think Jesus is bouncing from trial to trial? First trial, second trial, third trial, fourth trial, fifth trial, sixth trial. All of which are illegal, which is already an oxymoron in itself. Not condemned in the first, not condemned in the second, not condemned in the third, not condemned in the fourth, not condemned in the fifth, not condemned in the sixth. Because what Jesus was revealing is that the law could not convict him. And now Pilate in the seventh trial stands before the people now. And he says, here is your king. Now he declares who Jesus is. Oh, I wish some of y'all just caught it. Your enemy may not like it, but he's going to end up saying what you are. He may not like what he's saying, but he's going to end up saying it. He's going to say you're blessed and he didn't like it. Going to say you're a millionaire, didn't like it. Going to say you're anointed and didn't like it. Because he has to. It is your nature. You want to know what the trial does? <laughs> the trial reveals who you are. I'm going to repeat this again. If you want to write something, write that down. That your trial reveals who you are. The seventh trial represents the number of completion. Oh God, I feel something happening. It is the number of the completion, but imperfection. 
Meaning, you had gone through, I'm talking to, I'm preaching to some people who've been through some trials. You've had your pastor say you're nobody. You've had your mother say you're nobody, judging you about your past and the things that you've been, judging you about the things that you've gone through. But you better tell them that if I'm still standing here, it's because you couldn't have condemned me to death with whatever you told me. But here's what I understand now, is that he goes through trial, through trial, through trial, but he is not destroyed. He is not dead yet, which indicates to me that there is no way that the law can condemn you. For the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can say what you want about me, but God knows who I am. You can say what you will about me, but I know my relationship with Christ. Go ahead, talk about what I did, but you don't see when I'm praying. You don't see when I'm fasting. You don't see when I'm, you don't need to show that to them because they can't judge you. They can't tell you whether you go to heaven or go to hell, whether you'll be blessed, whether you won't. They don't have jurisdiction over your life. I love that y'all helping me preach because you're going to help me preach this right here. Is, is that now he stands in the seventh trial and Pilate now can't even condemn him. The guy who doesn't even need a jury because his conscience can't condemn him. And so he presents him in front of the people. And the Bible says that Pilate goes to the place called the pavement, which is called Gabbatha. Somebody underline that phrase right there, the pavement, because something is going to be taught here. The pavement is not a geographic location. Okay, okay. Uh, the pavement is not just any place. I'm going to preach to somebody right now. Uh, the pavement is rather a state of being or a state of mind. The reason why is because he could have just said the pavement, but it's capitalized. Mm -hmm. Meaning this is not any pavement. This is the pavement. And this pavement is not any pavement, but even in the Roman court, it had a Hebrew name. Which indicates to me that, that he's not talking about just the location of where Pilate sits down to judge Jesus. But rather where he's judging Jesus represents a place that the people had been before. Mm -hmm. To help you understand this, the word Gabbatha is a word that is used one other time in the Bible. The word Gabbatha is used in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 3. In, Chronicle, in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 3 it says this. He says, when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down. Mm -hmm. and the glory of the Lord on the temple the Bible says that they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement oh my God and worshiped and praised the Lord saying for he is good and his mercy endures forever meaning what is being taught here is that the place that Jesus is being judged is also the state of being that the people needed to be which was worship y'all ain't with me uh, uh, the place that they were is the place of worship the place that they were is a place of praise meaning he is judged for and, and, and because he is judged the result of his judgment is praise y'all 
y'all ain't catching it yet uh, where he is judged is praise what is he being judged for not for the stuff he did he's being judged for the stuff that you did y'all didn't catch it y'all didn't catch it he's being sentenced in a place called the pavement not for his actions but he is being sentenced for your actions he, he, he took our sins the bible says he took our iniquities he, he, he took our sorrows the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we have been healed so now what I understand is is that our worship has more to do with understanding our sin y'all ain't with me y'all ain't with me uh, we worship because we understand the nature of the judgment but the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God the Bible says that the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life now I understand here that what Jesus is showing is that in the pavement there is what you call a transfer somebody say transfer and I want you to help me preach this because there's some people who understand that if it wasn't for the grace of God they wouldn't even be here in the first place but because a transfer happened where my sin went to somebody else now I can give God praise and I can shout to his name you see to have true worship you have to have a sense of repentance to have true worship you got to know the mess that you were in when you have true worship you got to know I don't deserve to be in the house of God because I slept around with way too many people I did way too many drugs I cussed way too many times I did too much stuff for me to be standing in this place but if God would give me permission to come into his house and to be in his presence and to just bask in his glory I've got to shout out and I've got to give God praise you see I'm in the pavement now where Jesus was judged that's where I'm gonna praise where Jesus was was condemned that's where I'm gonna worship where Jesus was taken down that's when I'm gonna lift him up because I know if it wasn't for the goodness of Jesus on my life if it wasn't for the goodness of God in my situation if he didn't take my mess then I wouldn't be standing here in the first place 